Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 171 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thanks so much for joining me. Episode 171. Every time I record a new episode and the numbers increase, it's crazy. So very close to three years ago, maybe three years and a couple of weeks ago is when I released episode one through four. And so the idea that we're already at like 170 and heading towards 200 sometimes is a bit mind-blowing. If you're just finding this and you haven't gone back and listened, make sure you go back and listen. And if you're just finding this, let me introduce myself because I don't think I have in recent podcast episodes, but I'm Siobhan Key. I'm a family physician and an obesity medicine physician, and I am a weight loss coach for physicians. Now, my passion is helping physicians who sometimes feel out of control around food, either with stress eating or binge eating. They know what they want to eat, but find it really hard to do that on a consistent basis. That's my passion because there are so many good tools to work on where you can actually find peace around food, where you don't have to always be struggling with what to eat and what you should eat and up and down on the scale and things like that. And that's what then leads to lasting weight loss. And I coach physicians in my program called Stress Eating SOS. I also have walked this path, and this is why I do this work, is I spent years of my life, a lot of years of my life, really struggling with my weight and really struggling with my eating, where I knew how I was eating was going to give me health problems like diabetes. It was coming, and I knew it was contributing to my weight, and yet I felt like I couldn't stop. And I didn't understand why, as a physician, with all my knowledge and all my the information I had about health, why I couldn't stop eating those foods, even when I knew what it was doing to me. Have you been there? Have you thought that about yourself? Well, I can tell you the reason why is we weren't taught the right tools. In medicine, we were taught kind of the calories in, calories out approach, but we were never taught why we eat when we do. Now, if this is sounding good to you, make sure you've listened to last week's episode, which was about the foundations of weight loss, because I talk a lot about the understanding why you eat when you do, and why you eat what you do in that episode. But also come join us on the wait list, Stress Eating SOS wait list, which is weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS. You'll get notified first when the doors open, plus you get access to some exclusive bonuses. So if you identify with what I've just been talking about, that program is for you. So come get on the invitation list so that you know when the doors are opening next. All right, guys, today we are talking about how to love low-carb eating. And you can apply this, even if you don't eat low-carb, you can apply this to however you're eating. The, the principles are going to be able to be kind of crossed over to any eating style. But I'm going to use low-carb specifics because I'm going to give you examples from my real life about how I approach this because I really do love what I eat. When I'm eating low-carb, I am not deprived. I love it. The food is good. It satisfies me. And yet I know for a lot of you as physicians, you're trying to eat lower carb and find it really hard to be consistent. And you may not 
really love the food you're eating. So there's a lot of different angles to being consistent with low carb. And some of them are more the foundational angles, like what we talked about in last week's episode with the foundations of weight loss. But there's also a lot to do with learning how to love the food you're eating. Because I truly believe if you need to eat the way you eat to lose weight and keep eating that way in order to maintain it, which is true, it's a false belief or something faulty we've been taught that you just need to follow a diet to lose weight and then you get back to normal eating. That's not true. However you eat to lose your weight, you have to stay on it. Then we need to find ways to make it easy to stay on that way of eating for life. And a big thing about that is you need to love it. You need to be like, this is fantastic. I can't believe I get to eat this and lose weight. If you ever say that to yourself, then you know you're on the right track and you know that you're doing this right. So I thought this could be a fun episode. I haven't done an episode on lower carb eating for a while, so it might be a good refresher for some of you, might be some tips that I haven't talked about. Plus, I have a lot of experience about doing this as a busy physician with kids in the house. And those are some of the bigger obstacles that people bring up to me is making your own food when you're busy, trying to figure out how to feed kids as well as yourself if you're doing something more specific like a lower carb plan. So I'm going to give you tips throughout on how I approach that and how I suggest approaching it. So I think it's going to be an episode that's like packed with good stuff for you. Okay. Now I'll tell you the story about when I first started lower carb eating. And that was, I don't even know what year. I don't think I'd had my son yet. So it was a long time ago. And I hired a weight loss coach and she was the first person to introduce me to lower carb eating. And at that time, I had never considered it. In fact, I had had really biased opinions about lower carb eating from med school. I remember when I was in med school and they're talking about the Atkins diet, it was pretty negatively biased discussions about the Atkins diet, which was popular back then. So she suggested I give up bread and I give up rice and all those sorts of things. And my brain kind of exploded a little bit. (laughs) It's a little like, what? What do I eat if I don't eat bread? Like, I just, I couldn't figure it out. I remember being really kind of confused by it. So I did follow it and I did lose weight with it, but I didn't love it. (laughs) The whole time I was doing it, I was hoping for the next time I could eat bread, wishing I could be ordering the bread. And guess what? It made it so that I really, I didn't see the lower carb eating as a long-term lifestyle. I saw it as something short-term I was doing for weight loss and looked forward to when I could have times that I didn't eat low carb. I also didn't understand the metabolic aspects of it back then. I hadn't looked into all of that. So to me, it was just a mode of weight loss. It wasn't understanding how your metabolism changes when you cut the carbs out. But I remember it being hard and I remember eating at restaurants and feeling like I couldn't find anything to eat and I didn't know what to order. It was tough. And so eventually I gave it up. It was probably years before I tried eating lower carb again. And that was when I had been more into obesity medicine at that point. And I remember I went to one particular obesity medicine association conference and basically all of the talks, even the ones that weren't directly low carb, were essentially supporting lower carb in some form. Like everybody was agreeing that you should probably trim out added sugars and processed carbohydrates and things like that. And so that's when I came home and I'm like, okay, like I think it's probably time to consider this again and try it again. 
And that was quite a few years ago now. And we've been doing it ever since, my husband and I, fairly consistently, not perfectly. And I don't think I'll ever be perfect with low carb, but our normal is definitely lower carb eating. Now, when you're thinking about lower carb eating, often our minds go directly to keto. And I think that's a bit of a fallacy. The way I view lower carb eating is there's a very large range of what that might look like. And I really believe you need to figure out where you want to fall in that range, where it works for your body, but also that you can maintain it. Because if you go keto, which is very low carb, and if that works for you and you can maintain it, fantastic. But for a lot of people, it's more of the restriction mentality that we're used to in weight loss, where we go, okay, let's do the hardest thing to try to lose weight the quickest. And if you can't maintain that, if you don't actually like it, if you miss all the other food and you feel restricted by it, it's probably not going to last. So then you're not going to get the lasting weight loss that you're after with that. So really, if as you choose where you want to be eating, really question yourself and make sure you like your reasons behind it, because that's going to be really important. And give yourself permission to try out all different parts of this spectrum of lower carb eating from keto, which is some of the lowest carb eating to more moderate low carb and play around with it and see how it feels. See what seems to work best for you in your life, what you seem to enjoy the most. So here's a question I have is, why do we love the food that we love? Where does that come from? Those foods that you crave and that you think about and you wish for, why is it that it's those foods that we love? And I think There's a bunch of different reasons. One is habit. Like chances are the foods that you really love are foods that you've been exposed to for a fair bit. And so there's a habit element of really enjoying those foods. Dopamine, I think we can't discount that. So a lot of the foods we really crave are the more processed foods, maybe the foods that have sugar in them. And they activate dopamine in your brain. So there is a brain response that might be setting you up to crave those foods especially if you've been eating them regularly, it kind of keeps you craving those foods. The other thing is traditions. Different cultures have different traditions around food. And it's really interesting because if we think of the foods that we think are uh, in North American culture that are irresistible, other cultures may not view those foods the same way. Just as the foods a different culture feels are irresistible and highly regarded, we may not view it as the same way. And so whatever traditions you've been exposed to will influence what foods you consider to be fantastic and what foods you love. And then here's the most important thing, and it links up a bit with that, is it's our thoughts and our beliefs about which foods are the most prized foods. So if you were raised with getting sugary treats as a treat for being good or at the end of a big meal or to celebrate then you have a collection of thoughts around those foods as being something special. Maybe if we were raised and it was asparagus that we got at the end of a meal to celebrate and everybody's like, let's bring out the asparagus. It's going to be so exciting. We may have thoughts about asparagus as being like something highly prized. I actually do. I really love asparagus, but it's the collection of thoughts we've developed over our life about particular foods that leads to one being prized over the other. If you look at the messaging that a lot of like in TVs and movies and stuff that's given to broccoli, it's a collection of thoughts that mean nobody should ever like broccoli. And so it's no wonder that a lot of kids aren't that big of fans of it. However, if everybody was talking about how amazing broccoli was and how delicious it was, 
it would play a different role in kids' lives. And then it would play a different role in adult lives as you move forward. I'm using those as like extreme examples, but it's really important to recognize that the irresistible quality of the food does not come from the food itself. A lot of it has to do with how you think about it. And this is really important if you're considering making big changes to how you eat. If you're going to do something like lower carb eating and you're going to say no to a lot of foods that are in the standard North American diet, you want to really be aware of how you're thinking about different foods and be aware of how different thoughts will increase the desire for a food over another. Okay, so here are my main tips to love your lower carb eating. And again, you can apply these to any style of eating. Whether If you're not doing low carb, if you're doing vegetarian or if you want to do low fat or something, you can apply it to these as well. Number one is you have to eat food you like. If you're sitting down to lose weight and you're looking at the food you're eating and you're like, (laughs) I don't want to eat that, it is not going to be sustainable, nor is it nice to yourself. Then of course, like if you really don't like the food you're eating to lose weight, of course, the old food is going to have such a strong pull because you actually liked it. So really make it plan that you are going to go there and find the food that you actually like. Now, this may not happen immediately, especially if you have never eaten low carb and you you switch to eating low carb. It's not going to be an immediate response. There's a learning curve that comes with it, that you have to try different things, different approaches to eating, and it takes a little bit to figure out what you actually will like. It takes a little bit for your taste buds to shift a bit. And for your brain, the habits, the like, what do I reach for when I need a snack? What do I, what's my easy go-to dinner that I like? All of those things need to shift and it does take a bit of time. So be patient with yourself. But I really encourage you to make it like a bit of a challenge. Like, okay, I didn't like that, but what else can I try? What else can I try? Don't let your brain blanket it by saying, I don't like low carb eating. I don't like the food I eat to lose weight. Because that will just like paint a giant brick wall And it takes away your ability to problem solve it. Number two, you have to intentionally think good thoughts about the food you're eating. So we don't do this usually. Usually when we're losing weight, while we're eating our healthy food, we're thinking about the food we wish we could be eating and that we're saying no to. That then makes the healthy food we're eating feel at a lower level, a lower desirability than the food we used to eat. I'm sure most of you have been there at some point where It feels like such a strong pull to the food you used to eat. How do you change it? You intentionally think good thoughts about the food you're eating. So that might mean eating more mindfully. It might mean telling yourself things like, this is really good. I actually really like this. I like the textures. It feels so fresh. I like to remind myself about how I feel after I eat that food. Like, oh, I feel so, like I feel satisfied and yet I feel good, physically good. I've had to do this work a lot for salads. Because I'd spent enough years of my life trying like lower fat eating and salads felt like the like total runner up prize of eating. They were below everything else that I could have thought of to eat and definitely wouldn't want to order one in a restaurant. And if I ever did, I felt like I should get a gold prize for being the person that ordered the salad. Plus then because I was thinking that way, the next time I ate at a restaurant, I I definitely didn't order the salad because I'd been so strong and ordered it the other time. This time I'll eat the burgers and fries. Thanks. So I had to do this work and really learn to love salads. And I truly do. The right salads, like I don't eat boring salads. 
is one of my rules. And that goes to the first tip is eat food I like. If I'm eating a salad, I'm gonna, it's going to be a good salad. It's going to have good dressing on it. It's going to have some interesting textures or something that really feels satisfying in it. And while I eat it, I think thoughts like that, like, oh, this dressing is so good. Like I have a few dressings that I've made and developed like a dill dressing, which literally as I eat it, I'm like, this is so good. Oh, and I have a mushroom dressing that I make on an arugula salad and it's got some truffle oil in it. And like, it is so delicious. So I think those thoughts while I eat the salad and I have for years so that I practice loving the salad. And that's an intentional practice. It doesn't just happen necessarily. But when you do it intentionally, it really builds on itself. Number three, you have to watch what you're thinking about the foods you're deciding not to eat. And number one, the big piece of that is you are deciding not to eat it. So don't let yourself tell you, use words like, I can't eat it. I'm not allowed to eat it. Those words will automatically increase the desirability of that food that you're choosing to say no to. The reality is you as an adult can make any food choice you want. And when you're choosing to eat a certain way, like low carb, you're making a choice to not eat other foods. And so you need to really watch how you think about those foods. I find it helpful to think I'm choosing, I actually think this in my head, you know, I could eat that, but I'm not going to today because, and then I give myself a reason that I like, because it's not actually going to make me feel that good is often the one I use. I don't want to have a headache tomorrow. So I'm choosing not to eat that. Or I could eat that, but you know what? I could eat it another time too. When I first started low carb, I spent so much time thinking about bread and stuff, wondering when I could eat it again, thinking of how good it would be, things like that. And it almost makes you like, it's almost like you're mourning the loss of that food. And so your brain spends so much time thinking about it that eventually you end up eating it. And then you feel like that food has this power over you. And it's not that food, it's just those thoughts. So I find it helpful to think things like, I've had a lot of bread in my life. I'm good. I can eat it. If I really want it, I can have it any time. But I'm also going to make sure if I do eat bread, the few times I do, it's going to be really good bread. It's not going to be just the bread that happens in front of me. I'm going to look for a really worthwhile use of eating bread in my life. These are the types of thoughts that I think. And you know what? For a lot of the carby type foods that I choose to say no to on a regular basis, the thought I actually use is, you know, it's not actually that good. And this may blow your mind, but if you really pay attention when you're eating carbs, the first little bit might be, but what you might find is it's not as good as you think, especially once if you've taken it out of your diet for a while, you come back to it. Like, pasta, I never crave that anymore. And we used to eat a lot of pasta. And if I do eat it, it's it's just doesn't appeal to me. Like it's not even something I have to work on, except in like very few situations where I'm at a very good restaurant and it's like really well done pasta. I will eat that and I'll really enjoy it. But the average pasta we used to make in our house, I don't bother with it and it doesn't bother me. But it's how I've worked on thinking about it. And bread too, like It's about how you think about it to not be bothered by it. So we were out for a good friend's birthday party at a restaurant that brings warm bread to the table. For years, I thought that there's no way I can not eat that. If warm bread and butter is sitting in front of me, I have to eat it. It was my thoughts about it. And I've just worked on that over the years to be like, no, I can actually be the person that sits and visits 
and isn't bothered by the bread sitting in front of me or the other people eating the bread. And it's never quite as good as what I picture it. The idea of the bread in my mind is way better than the actual eating of the bread. And so I'm okay without it. Number four is you need to explore and try new things. So if you're trying a totally new way of eating, give yourself that space to explore. If there's something that you keep craving or you keep coming back to from your older way of eating, like if you're eating low carb and you find you just keep eating this one or two types of foods that are more carb-based, get creative. Go looking for an alternative replacement. So for me, one of the most powerful replacements I found in my life, and I've been making this recipe for years, is waffles. I really like sometimes having like waffles or like a breakfast bread type thing in the morning. So I've found a very good waffle recipe that's low carb. It's nom nom, G-N-O-M, G-N-O-M, her fluffy waffles. They're fantastic. I love them. And so when I make them, I make a big batch and I freeze them. And then anytime I'm craving like a bit of a more carby, bready breakfast, I pull them out and I eat it with whipped cream and strawberries. That's what I ate this morning for my breakfast. And it's fantastic. I love it. And yet it works. And so finding those things, you need to, it wasn't the first waffle recipe I tried. I tried a lot of other ones and I was like, meh, this just doesn't do it. And then I found this one and I'm like, oh, this is what I wanted and what I've been looking for and this will work. So give yourself permission to explore. I remember, I can't even remember how I found this, but I think I was like just figuring out what could I make, like low carb type appies. And I found bacon wrapped pickles because I love deep fried pickles. I think those are really good. But bacon wrapped pickles are also fantastic, especially when they are dipped in a nice dip. And so finding things like that where you're like, oh, who would have thought wrapping pickles in bacon, but it's fantastic. All of those little things start to give you like empowerment in, in the choices you're making for weight loss. So that you're like, yeah, like I can be low carb and eat bacon wrapped pickles dipped in a really good dip. And I'm really quite happy with that. That works for me. I don't make them very often, but just knowing that I can, knowing that they're out there really helps. Okay, let's talk about tips for eating at home. How do you eat low carb at home and love it? I'm going to talk about tips at home and tips at restaurants. And remember, these are my tips based on a lot of years. I'm giving you my personal, how do I make it work? How do I love it? And how do I make it work with kids? Because this is a question that comes up a lot is I don't want to have to make two different meals, which is fair. I don't, or I rarely do. Number one, I eat a lot of salads for, I make like entree style salads for my husband and I. The kids often will eat it as the protein and then they kind of do a make your own salad, meaning they pick what they want out of it. And sometimes I will make them a starch like rice or pasta, or we'll have buns or pita or something like that. So like if we're having this week, we had like a souvlaki chicken with some vegetable kebabs and a Greek salad. That was what my husband and I ate. The kids also had pitas. So I, our kids aren't low carb. They're probably lower carb than some kids, but I make it easy when I add in carbs for them. When I add in a starch, it's not a lot of extra work for me. Last night, we had uh, lettuce wraps. It was a Thai chicken lettuce wrap that I made. And I just put on some rice for the kids. So they put rice into their lettuce wraps. So it's a bit more filling for them. My husband and I just had the meat and vegetables on the lettuce. So what makes a good salad? How is a good salad different? It needs to have like flavor. So I use a variety of different greens. 
because they have different flavors, like arugula versus a green mix versus cabbage. It would feel like a totally different meal if you put the same salad on each of those greens. And then dressing. Now, I am picky about dressing. I generally want a homemade dressing. I've tried going back to bottled and they just don't do it for me. They're not the same. I think the dressing makes a salad. Now, don't get overwhelmed if you're busy. Make it, make one jar, take a mason jar, put the dressing ingredients in it, use an immersion blender, blend it all up and stick it in the fridge and you have dressing for salads for the week. And that, and next week you make a totally different dressing and the salad will taste totally different. It's like a three minute investment in actually loving your food. And I think it's 100% worth it. Now, the salads that I make, generally we have a protein on them. That protein might be cooked in the slow cooker or grilled on the barbecue, depending on what the situation is time-wise that day. And then usually some other fat, something else to make it satisfying. So maybe some bacon, maybe some cheese, maybe some avocado, maybe some nuts. There's a whole bunch of different things. One of my favorites is a tuna poke bowl, which I've made kind of based on a local restaurant here, except instead of it being on rice, I put it on cabbage. And then the tuna or other seafood, I've made it with kind of anything. You can also, it tastes really good with chicken. Plus then like a spicy mayo type dressing, some avocado, some macadamia nuts, a little bit of mango if we have them, and some cucumbers, and it's delicious. Things like that. And when you find them, you're like, oh, this is so good. I really like this. Then it's fantastic because it can go into your regular rotation. And again, that if we're serving that with the kids, generally I just make sure there's another protein because they don't usually eat the raw fish or I'll cook the chicken and we'll all eat the chicken. This week when we had the poke bowl, we um, bought a rotisserie chicken for the kids. And so they just had the rotisserie chicken that was pre-cooked and my husband and I had some tuna and, and other seafood on it. It's easy and it works really well. Plus, here's the thing I love about the cabbage-based salads is they hold well. So you can make enough for the week of lunches and the cabbage doesn't get soggy in the fridge. So you just then portion yourself out your lunch and it's delicious and you look forward to your lunch because you know you're eating something that is going to taste fantastic. And it's like you prep once and you have you can have as many meals as you want out of it depending on how much you prep. I love it. If you're eating salads, just make sure they're good salads. Enjoy your salads. Number two is slow cooker. I use a slow cooker a lot particularly on the days where I have a full office and then if we have kids' activities. Now, I would love to hear your slow cooker recipes that you like that are lower carb because not all slow cooker recipes are created equal and this is where my picky eating comes in. (laughs) Some of them, they dry the meat out or it's the texture just isn't right and it just tastes a little overcooked or lacks flavor. So I cook any slow cooker recipe. I'm kind of picky on which ones I use. Generally, what we do is we make like taco meat in the slow cooker. So that would be like shredded pork or like ground beef taco meat or shredded beef. And then we do a taco night where my husband and I will eat the meat on salad or on cabbage. The kids eat it in traditional taco shells. We also, I have found a good brand of tortilla shells or tortillas that I really like that are low carb. So sometimes I'll eat it as a traditional taco, but honestly, I like them as salads. The other thing is simple. Like often when you're trying to create 
or switch to a different way of eating, it can get really complicated in your mind. So letting it be simple, going back to what you used to make and just swapping the carbs out for more vegetables. You don't have to reinvent everything. If there's a dish that you really like, ask yourself the question of like, how could I make this lower carb and play around with it to find a way of making it so it works. Don't forget, it can just be as simple as just cooking up a protein and steaming a vegetable. And if you want to make the vegetable extra tasty, put some butter and a bit of Parmesan cheese on it. And then that's delicious. (laughs) Nobody's going to argue with that. The kids love it. And let it be simple. You can get dinner on the table really quickly like that. You can eat breakfast for dinner. You can scramble some eggs or fry some eggs if that works well for you. On the days where you're busy, ask yourself, how could it be as simple as possible? How could I let this be as easy as possible? Maybe it's that you pick up ready-made stuff from the grocery store like the rotisserie chicken. But giving yourself permission that eating healthy, eating low carb actually can be really quick and easy as well. We'll start opening up your mind to the ways that it can be quick and easy. Okay, let's talk a little bit about restaurants, how I approach low-carb eating in restaurants before we wrap up. Number one is you just learn to read the menu differently. So you're not looking for an all-in-one entree. Often there's a bit more swapping. There's a bit more talking to the, the waiter. And trust me, it's not weird. I used to think that it would be so weird and they don't care. And I've really encountered very few restaurants that won't make the swaps that I'm asking. And it means you can eat the food you like and you can kind of explore more in the menu as long as you get good with asking to make swaps. So number one, looking at the appetizer menu, often there are good lower carb options on the appetizer menu. Be wary of breading and be wary of sauces. A lot of sauces do have a lot of sugar in them. Those would be the two things to watch for. But things like unbreaded wings, fantastic. It's one of the things I love about eating low carb is when I used to be eating low fat, I'd feel so guilty if I ate hot wings, and yet I do really enjoy them. Whereas now I can eat them and I don't feel guilty. Things like a lot of restaurants have like deep fried Brussels sprouts on or some other vegetable on the appetizer menu. Those work well. You just need to watch like the cauliflower and broccoli sometimes is battered. So you need to watch for that. Then look at the sides and you can look at the menu on the section that says sides, but also look through the entrees and see what they're offering as sides because some restaurants will have an interesting side that's lower carb in one of the entrees, but it won't be listed under the sides. And then play and swap. One of my best tools that I use all the time when I'm eating at restaurant is I swap the carb like the pasta or the rice and I swap it for shredded cabbage. Most restaurants have shredded cabbage. You can tell that you do if you look, if they have a taco on the menu with a topping of shredded cabbage, then generally they have shredded cabbage. So asking for like like the tuna poke bowl, if I eat it in the restaurant, I just ask them to swap the rice for shredded cabbage. It's delicious. I've put like a Thai curry on shredded cabbage, also delicious. I like it because, and this is raw shredded cabbage, guys. I like it because it holds its crunch. It has nice flavor. It doesn't compete with anything. Like it's kind of more of a neutral taste in the background. And I love it. It's a really good swap. So try it out if you haven't tried that. It's one of my best little swaps. You also can swap things onto seasonal vegetables and change the carb and ask for just more vegetables. You can have like a, if it's an Asian stir fry that's normally served on rice, ask them to serve it on top of the whatever seasonal vegetable they're using. It just look and be creative, play around. You'll get to know your local restaurants on what they can and can't do for you. And you'll start to find your favorites. All right. 
I have to get going because I've got an office I need to get to. But I hope that was helpful. I hope that gave you some real life tips about how to actually love eating low carb. And remember, what it really is going to come down to is not so much the recipes that you make. What it's going to come down to is how you're thinking about the food you're making how you're thinking about the food you're choosing not to eat. That is the biggest piece of learning to love eating low carb or however else you're wanting to eat for your health. Okay, send me any questions you have to info at Weight Solutions for Physicians. If you have other tips or tricks that work for you or recipes that you love, I'd love to hear them, especially if they like low carb slow cooker recipes. Would love to hear them. Send that over to info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving a review. It really helps the podcast get found. And please share it. Share it with another physician you know that's working on eating low carb. Share it in your social media if you feel comfortable with that. Again, it just helps get this information out to other physicians that would benefit from it. All right. Have a fantastic day, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.